You are now listening to Sweep the Rack Podcast featuring Brooklyn Rob and Big Mike. Rob, what's good, homie? Happy New Year, homie. Oh my goodness! Happy New Year, 2020. Getting off to a to a to a good start so far. Uh, you know, how was your New Year, man? How was your holidays? Expensive. <laughs> oh yeah, why is that? Just expensive, man. Like Christmas is expensive. You know, gifts, entertaining. I had a couple parties at the house. You know, I. I purchase stuff to bring to other events that I went to. You know, you can't be a bad guest. If you're showing up somewhere, you got to bring something. Um, yeah. Gifts for the kids. Very expensive, man. You know, I feel fortunate. I do. I know that, you know, the, the holidays are a tough time for a lot of people because, you know, it, some, sometimes it's hard to figure out where you're going to get these, these resources from to, uh, to make a Christmas or, you know, make a, make a good holiday. And it's, it's tough. You know, I understand that. So, uh, I feel very fortunate, but, uh, yeah, it gets out of control a little bit. I think, you know, I think, uh, the materialistic nature of it gets a little bit out of, out of hand, but, uh, yeah, it's all good. You know, I mean, my kids are young. So, uh, obviously when they're young for whatever reasons, you know, you, you want to provide a really good Christmas for them, I guess you could say, but, uh, Rob, I got a I got a all time gift for Christmas, bro, that I got to tell you about. All right. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna text you uh, a picture of the gift right now. I'm 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 gonna I'm sending you a text right now. Uh, it's a picture of the gift that I got. I'm um, I'm gonna talk about the gift, but I'm not gonna send out a picture of it on Twitter now. I'll send it out once we post this episode. But uh, yeah, our our guy, our guy, Bill. Uh, got me a, a gift and you know not and, and listen it's not the monetary value of this gift it's the sentimental value of this gift but uh when i went up to maine to watch him bowl in the pba playoffs uh there was a picture that was that was captured where i think it was after he had won the match with rash and he held up his hand and put a one in the air like one more match to go and uh, i was in the crowd in the back and i put up my hand as well and there was a picture taken where our hands were like touching in the air and it was just a, a, a real coincidental, you know, type of picture. And yeah, I told them like that I wanted to get in contact with somebody from the PBA and get a good copy of that picture. So, you know, I'm sure you got the text by now, but uh, yeah, he got me a, a nice framed copy of that picture that he wrote a nice message on there as well. And uh, yeah, awesome gift, man. I mean, it has a prominent place uh, in my office. It's it's right here next to my computer where I do the podcast from. So, a uh, little little bowling history there as I uh, as I sit and do the podcast. But yeah, great gift. Uh, you know, Christmas was good. Holidays were good. New Year's Eve is not what it used to be. Anybody that knows me that has uh, hung out with me on New Year's Eve knows that that's the case. Uh, I'm sure there's a handful of people that listen to this podcast that uh, that understand the intricacies of what I say there. But uh, I actually went to Bill's house New Year's Eve uh, and hung out with a few close friends that we used to do New Year's Eve with. But uh, we all have kids now, and some of us are currently pregnant. And, uh, yeah, it was just a really calm night. We actually sous vide some steak, Rob. 
I don't know if you're up on the sous vide, uh, but Bill got a, a sous vide machine for uh, Christmas. So he actually sous vide some steak. It was delicious with some uh, Montreal seasoning on it. Uh, we had some good craft beers from uh, the likes of Tired Hands in, in Philly and other half in New York City. So definitely some good beers going down. And uh, I'm actually enjoying a Tired Hands uh, Key Lime Pie Triple Milkshake IPA right now. But, uh, yeah, so great great holiday season. I mean, got to see good friends a lot, spend some time with the family, had a family party for the Eagles game where we locked up a playoff spot. So that was good. Uh, plenty of food, plenty of drink. Um, you know, yeah, just a great holiday season. But, man, turn on the faucets for spending the money, dog. <laughs> Yo, I just saw that picture, man. What a great gift. That's amazing. I, I freaking love it. Like, dude, I, I, I'm, now I'm going to be haunting him for, that, for, for one of my pictures when I was in the crowd when he won his title. So, <laughs> Bill, yeah, so, so right let, me, let me also state that I was unaware that he was getting me that. So I didn't have anything for him. But that's kind of how we roll. Like, it, it's, it, you know, we even things out in the long run. Uh, he just finished his basement not too long ago and built a nice bar down there. So when he finished the bar, he had a party. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say what I brought because I'm not trying to throw swag on people here. But, uh, yeah, I brought some very nice bottles of alcohol for his bar. So, you know, things, things even out in the long run, I guess. Well, yeah, my uh, New Year's was a lot different than yours, Mike. Um, I'm so. Oh, I saw. I saw. I can't <laughs> wait to hear. I can't. As soon as I saw the Instagram snaps going down, I thought, "Oh man, I can't wait to hear this story." Do tell, sir. I'm going to sit yeah. back and enjoy the key line pie. You do tell. <laughs> so we got tickets to go to the uh, downtown Hilton in down in Chicago uh, for their like W uh, like their 103.5 radio station uh, party. Uh, this was like top shelf all you can drink from uh, about eight o'clock to about one one thirty, and uh, it was pretty much the whole hotel. So they had about five different uh, party rooms uh, in this uh, like hotel, and every party room had a different party atmosphere. Like one room was uh, a DJ that you actually they gave out wireless headphones. And everybody put on wireless headphones and you got to listen to uh, any kind of music you want to dance to. So if you took your headphones off, there was no music playing, but you got a chance to like listen and, and, and listen to any kind of music you want. And then some other party rooms, they had like just different kind of party. So wait a second. Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. We got to stop. We got to yep. talk about this I question about this. So everyone could have been listening to a different song. It wasn't like. Right. Everybody had the headphones on, and the same song was being played in the headphones. Correct. Five radio stations on each, uh, or each DJ stations that he played five different types of music on five different stations on your wireless headphones. headphones. It was a okay. so There were only five options. All right. Here's yeah. my next question: Was there any visible way to tell what music the, the you know people walking around were listening to? No, no, unless. Like you were listening, no, unless you were listening to uh, a song, like they had like a, a pretty good rap station and you listen to a good rap song and then you could read like someone's lips or singing and you kind of singing to with it. Um, or you were listening to some kind of like techno or BPM. And then when the beat would drop, you could just see someone kind of just like their dance moves would go a little bit crazy. But the, I mean, I, I, this is 
this is an amazing like thing because uh, it's just one of those things. Like if I wanted to talk to a girl, like all I would have to do is just like, like drop my headphones and then she would drop her headphones. And then like, you could talk to someone without like having to yell and scream in someone's ear. It's a pretty cool concept actually. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, it's a good, it's a, it's a crazy time to be alive, Rob. I know. Right. How everyone's on the selfieing themselves on Instagram and, uh, yeah. And then like the main party floor was just, you know, there's like a casino room where you could gamble fake money, uh, and, uh, you know, win prizes and all that kind of stuff. But the main, the main room was like crazy. It was just, uh, a huge party. Uh, I was absolutely drunk by like 1am. I don't really drink a lot anymore. So I kind of pick and choose my spots, but when you get an open bar, uh, you kind of cho- decide that you're going to get two drinks at once. So I was like double fisting drinks for probably about three hours. And by one o'clock, it was, I was just out of it. Like I, I, I got home. I was like, man, this is, it was an awesome night though. Worth every dollar. A lot of just, you know, girls, a lot of guys. It was, everyone was dressed to the nines. You know, I got myself a nice new suit. I was all, I was looking good. I, it was a good. Rob, I will good say night. from, from the pictures on Instagram, you were, you were looking sharp, my man. I give you credit. Yeah, you you had your uh, you had your dress game up. So Rob, you know I'm not trying to dig into your personal business or whatever, but you know, did you wake up alone on January 1st, 2020? I did, but oh god, but oh, that this is not what the people want to hear, Rob. No, this but is not what not, people want to hear, Rob. But I'm not look like. Anybody who knows me really well, I'm not a like a guy who's just going to go out and just kind of like do that sort of thing like r- random girls. People know me. They know I'm not like that. But that so, so you went to the have... party. You went to the party single, though. Oh, I did. Yes, I did. Okay. Uh, and that doesn't mean, though, I didn't have a little fun while I was there. Let's just put it like that. Okay. All right. Very good. Yeah, listen, there were many in New Year's Eve where myself and Bill, Bill's brother, and uh, Jeff Butler, shout to Jeff Butler, and Sean Slocum, probably another listener to, to the podcast here, uh, all, all went out with a various huge group of people. Um, yeah, just similar parties like you just described and, you know, really great times. Actually, one year we went to a party that the, the party was so crazy that someone died. Someone walked outside and just pe- fell in a lake and passed out in a lake and ended up uh, dying. That's wow. how crazy the party was. You can, so, you can Google that if you don't believe me. That's so, uh, yeah, we had some wild times on, uh, on New Year's Eve pass. But, uh, Rob, enough talk about partying, et cetera. Uh, the people are here to hear about bowling, Rob. That, that's what we do on this podcast. Uh, so, we, 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 you know, we want to talk some bowling news, right? There's, there's a little bit of a lull going on right now tour starts up in a couple weeks uh we're gonna have our odds maker on uh shortly after this episode maybe the next episode after this two episodes maybe to give us a rundown on some odds for this season rob but uh still there is some bowling news going on out there so i'll let you pick rob uh where are we going to start well Fresh on my mind is my uh, little bit of a Twitter fiasco that I got into last night with, mm. uh, yeah, I got into a, and it was, 
it, a tweet that I sent out some little backstory where I just don't really like the Team USA trials tournament. I don't like the format of the tournament. I don't like the selection process that they have after the tournament ends. And I just voiced it on a tweet. Well, uh, Bill, you know, being Mr. Team USA and Mr. USPC, start chiming in and then uh, got some, some tweets from Lucas Wiseman and Jeff Riggles and my brother Jeff, who uh, used to run Team USA Bowling for years, a couple years in uh, Colorado Springs, started uh, getting into it. And uh, it was just a pretty, pretty interesting Twitter topic for a couple hours where we were just shooting out tweets, arguing about like just anything you could argue about. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of, I like that. I like starting up a little bit of a controversy, but Mike, like my original tweet said, look like I know I'm in the minority on this topic. Like I know I'm going to be like one of a, a, a few of that don't like this tournament. And I have my reasons I've bowled this tournament before twice, and I, I just don't like it. I, I don't think it's, it, it's, it's ran uh, – no, it's ran okay. It's the, the format, like I said, of how they the, – the format's completely different than a normal-style uh, like tournament, and then the selection process is, is pretty political. So, yeah, so I don't know where you want to start if you saw those tweets or, or what, but that's kind of what happened last night if you want to check it out. Uh, at BrooklynRob11 my, was my Twitter handle. Uh, you know, going to throw a little self-promotion out, but you could check out Bill's tweets uh, and you could kind of follow along with this whole like controversy, I guess. Uh, yeah. So first of all, uh, I should say that I love it when somebody else other than me takes shit on Twitter. So even if it has to be you, you're my, you know, even if you're my co-host and my homie, it's fine with me. Um, listen, honestly, does it matter? Does any of it matter either way? And he, here's why I say that, because when it comes down to it, there's really only a handful of, of events that Team USA participates in. Am, am I right or wrong about that, Rob? Well, I threw a jab out there about, like, something my brother said. He said, like, oh, well, there has to be a team trials because the USOC, which is the United States Olympic Committee, makes them hold a, a trials. And my whole thing was, like, well, bowling's not even in the Olympics. So, like, why is, like, all of this necessary? But I guess, like, there has to be something, and, and the more I thought about it, I didn't want to get into that side of the argument. Because the more you think about it, like, bowling has to have, like, some kind of Team USA presence and uh, process if they ever do want to make it into the Olympics. So, I, I, and look, like we've talked about the Olympics before and how the Olympics isn't what it used to be. It's kind of like a former shell of itself. Um, and bowling just gets like denied every four years. It seems like it, they, they never have a chance to make it in the Olympics. Um, but I, I just, you know, the tournament itself is where my, I guess my beef is because there, are the, I guess it's just the format of it and the selection process. And that's my two biggest main issues. All right, so, thanks for not answering my question, though. Answer my question. Is it, do you agree with me that Team USA as a whole, right, I don't care what Team USA you're talking about, junior, whatever, there's only a handful of events that they participate in. Am I right, right. in looking at it that way or am I wrong? No, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. Okay. And then some of those events, like the world championships, the, the, the biggest of those events, it's pretty much a given that, the best bowlers in the world are going. Am I correct in that assumption or no? 
No, because it, they, they, they run the team trials. And it, depending on like... Yeah, but hold on, but they select people as well. They do, but they don't select as many people, I don't think, as who actually makes the team. Uh, I'm not really sure on the numbers and how many they select compared to how many actually make it. Listen, I guarantee you there's some top-of-the-line, top-world-beater PBA bowlers that are not there this week that will get selected for the team. There are also some really good you know, high-level PBA players that are out there bowling. They'll pro- they may make the team. Right. Regardless, what I'm saying is, is that the best people are going to go to the, to the best events. You know, so even if you happen to, to get in, if, you're, if you aren't one of the top bowlers within the ranks of who's on the team, you're probably not going to bowl that much for Team USA anyway. Right. Agreed. You know. So as an amateur guy who's bowled that tournament twice, who is not going to get selected – why, what is the, like, I guess, what is the, um, the inspiration for me to spend money flying there, hotel? Okay, it's, it's, to be, it's to be the U.S. amateur champion, okay? That's what you're going for. But let me give you an example, right? Say you go, say a guy like you or me goes, and we light it on fire for a week, we match up, everything we do is right, and we end up qualifying or finishing in a place where we are guaranteed a spot on the team. Rob, do you legitimately think that somebody like me or you is ever going to bowl, represent Team USA at the World Championships? I mean, no. They'd have to if, if if I made the team, I would have to go, but I would be probably wearing a shirt and just like being a, a cheer a cheerleader. I'm not even sure about that. I'd have to check on that. I'm not sure that if you make the team, you're even guaranteed to go. I guess it's then. So why go? Is it more of just for the training of the t- of the coaching for the team USA? Yeah, well, like, I mean, isn't the field filled a lot with juniors and college players? Yeah, junior. Yeah, it is. So yeah, I mean, to me, it's like it, it. Why go bowl junior gold? If you really got it, if you're really that good, go out to this tournament. You know. Yeah, but you're going to deal with a lot less. You're going to deal with a lot less uh, nonsense at this event, and you know if you got it, you got it. You're going to be one of the top juniors there anyway. Well, junior gold is a little bit different in the fact where there's college, and in in, in the women's side of it, there's scholarships that are on the line. Uh, if you're if you have good runs at junior gold for a couple of years, I'd imagine you'd be able to probably pull a scholarship for. Uh, any girls NCAA team out there? So, uh, yeah, well, I would I would also assume that every girl who's bowling this event, who finishes in the top half of the field, that's a junior bowler, is going to get a college scholarship too. No. Yeah. I mean, come but, on. Yeah. Of course they are. Like. Yeah, I don't know. I I kind of just feel like there's it's this whole the whole thing just I, I don't know it just. It puts, a, I guess, a sour taste in my mouth, Mike, and that's what kind of what I was saying last night. And you know, Bill. So you don't you want to see the you want to see the scoring format change, basically? Yeah, it's a terrible format because if you have really one really bad day out of like five days of qualifying or four days of qualifying, whatever it is, you have zero chance of making the team. Like it's just how it goes. Like there's no carryover for pins. You can't make up ground that you lost the day before. Pretty much every day is like a separate tournament, but they, they have like a point system where you give, they give you points based on your daily like standings 
And if you're, you can't finish out of like the top 25 or 30 for the day, if you to have any shot of being in the top five, it's a really bad format. Usually like as, as someone who wants to bowl long format, Mike, if, if I'm hitting a bad pattern and I know it's my, 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 my tough pattern and I go minus a hundred, but I know tomorrow is my good pattern and I could easily go three or 400 over. I could make up that ground team. You can't do that with this pattern and I, I, I this format. And I kind of feel like it just, it just isn't, I don't like it, I guess. And then the selection process is like, you have to give resumes and then there, there, there's a selection committee that's never been transparent with the USBC of who's selecting or who's doing it. And it's just pretty much a, a political decision on who they want to be on the team. And uh, Bill was saying something on Twitter about how like, oh, well, if there's four righties or five righties. They'll probably pick a lefty. They, you know, they want kind of different styles and, and, but who, where, like it's, it's based on a career resume, but whose career is such a general criteria, like career, what career, like amateur career, pro career, junior career. I mean, what career are they, are they looking at? There's no transparency. So to me, it's just political bullshit that they get, that ends up being selection for the team. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that I put the bad taste in my mouth when I went out there and paid money to go. And uh, I saw people that deserved to make the team that didn't. All right. Fair enough, man. Yeah. But uh, keep it moving. Uh, other news this week, Rob, that I caught was uh, and I sent out a meme about this. I sent out the Oprah, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car meme. Uh <laughs> Because Motive Bowling was handing out contracts like you get a contract, you get a contract, you get a contract, you get a contract. Rob, you ready for this list? I'm ready. Let's go. All right. Give me one second here because I want to get it right. Okay. I'm going to read the list. Adam Anderson, Connor Pickford, Chris Loeschetter, Pascal Wintelheimer, Kim Bowlaby, Wesley Lowe, A.J. Johnson. Hmm. I think the big, the names that pop out are me are Wesley Lowe and uh, AJ Johnson, of course. I mean, those are two great signs for motive. They're young. Uh, and not a lot of people probably nationally know who Wesley Lowe is. I know the bowling world knows who Wesley Lowe is. I knew about Wesley Lowe when he was a kid bowling in California. Uh, so I, I think motive look, I, and then I tweeted out, you know, business is about taking advantage of opportunity. And this is a good opportunity for Motive to actually cement themselves as a top two bowling company. Uh, and they're, they're jumping on the, that opportunity. And, I, and I, I like rooting for Motive. You know, I, I like rooting for Motive uh, for, for, for reasons just because uh, you don't want to see, you know, all the eggs go into two baskets uh, for bowling ball companies being Brunswick and storm, you want to see a third player out there. So I, I, I mean, I root for motive and uh, I, I don't root for any bowling ball company to, to fail just because that's just bad for bowling and bad for the industry. But I mean, what do you think about these signings? I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Like obviously the two big ones are Wesley Lowe and AJ Johnson uh, for AJ Johnson, you know, better work out. Cause you know, He's he's three for three already for a young guy in his career. I know. So um, yeah, I think that puts him in somewhat of a position where he almost has to make it work. Uh, Wesley Lowe, I would want to know what you know what precipitated the change. 
you know, was it the difference between not getting paid and getting paid? Obviously, that's understandable. You know, it makes it a lot easier to go out there if you're earning a, a monthly paycheck uh, that's guaranteed. So, you know, again, like I, I don't think the general bowling public understands how important it is for these guys to have uh, their, you know, the, the bowling ball contracts where they get paid. Because it, you know, it, it allows them to have a steady paycheck whether they're bowling well or they're not, you know, and that's very important, obviously. So um, that could have something to do with it. But yeah, you know, shout to motive, man. I, I guess we'll see what happens, right? Like we'll we'll see if it uh, has an impact, you know, based on the results. And uh, de- they definitely went on a signing spree, though. There's no question about that. So um, you know, we'll we'll definitely see what happens to their restocked uh roster of of professional bowlers now at this point uh, a lot of signings there very interesting um, yeah, mike real quick, real quick though uh, just a comment before we kind of move on uh I, I there was some chatter on our facebook page in regards to like loyalty for pros and there was a comment that kind of bothered me a little bit where they're talking about like how the millennials and younger generation are just not loyal to bowling ball companies, especially someone like a Wesley and AJ, who, like you said, are three for three. And I believe Wesley is also three for three with bowling ball companies because he started as a kid. I think he was with storm. So he went storm EBI mode of two. Um, I, I disagree with that. I feel like it's not a generation thing or an age thing. It's a person thing because there is, I mean, you will really look at some of the major names pros out there. Uh, Walter Ray is one that comes off to my head. Uh, they were, Norm Duke, they jumped around ship. Patrick Allen jumped or shipped all the time, like was with, you know, Storm, Brunswick. So I feel like it, it's such a small industry that uh, you just kind of feel like you're, do, you're making the best decisions at the present moment. One company could come in and say, well, we're paying you this much. Maybe they're making better balls than you move. But I think it's how you do it, how you move companies how you honor your contracts, you honor what you sign. I feel like that's important that you're not burning bridges by leaving companies mid contract. You're not throwing other companies while you're on contract. If your contract runs out and you're respectful and you're professional with the bowling ball companies, I feel like that goes a long way with a lot of the, the, the companies. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Um, you know, I, I guess, yeah, sir, the, the, the semantics of, how people leave or probably have a lot to do with it. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, man. Uh, You know, Rob, people know we have our our ear to the street dog. Like that's, that's what we do here at sweep the rack. Um, So Rob, you know, sweep the rack. This is what we do. We keep our ear to the street, right? You know, that's, that's, that's why the people listen to the podcast. Uh, Word on the street is Rob, that there's going to be a new ball company on the block. And yep. I know that there's been some rumblings online. The name escapes me right now. I'll have to I'll have to look it up when uh when we're doing some talking here in a minute and uh and throw it out there. But I big. hear that bit what is it? Big. You're doing big things. You're ready for big things. They keep pronouncing the word big a lot. That's what I'm Yeah, so you know, two two very well known uh pro bowlers. Uh and, and I've heard that it there's also a former um, engineer from Storm involved, who who left Storm, who left the company. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll have to see where this goes. 
you know, I'm interested to see what, uh, what progresses here. Um, you know, I have heard that you can get other companies to pour you bowling balls that you want or you design uh, if you order a minimum amount. So, yeah, you know, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if, like, they hook up with another company and say, hey, can you create this other brand, you know, produce more bowling balls that we'll then take and sell. But, uh, you know, it'll be very interesting to see and very interesting to follow. Uh, but yeah, that's the word on the street. So we'll have to see what's up with that. But a lot of contract changes out there, Rob. Uh, I think that's probably going to be it. Would you agree? No, I feel like it's always going to be stuff. Uh, uh, people. Well, no, I mean, I mean for like the upcoming season. Yeah, you know, they start bowling yeah. in two weeks, right? So. Do you like really think there's going to be a lot of guys who make a staff change between now and the start of the tour? No, I feel like next year at this time is going to be like a definite. Oh, oh, God, no, I'm not even going. I'm going like a month in the future, not 12 months in the future. Yeah, no, I feel like a lot of the people from EBI that went over to Brunswick are going to be giving this like a year chance to see how the stuff is rolls for them uh, once, this starts, once their, the EBI balls start coming out of Brunswick plants. And then I feel like there's going to be a lot of like decisions that are going to be made with a lot of the EBI staffer guys to see uh, if they're if if they're succeeding with the new stuff or they need to move and try to find another company. All right, so Rob, it, would you agree, Rob? It's been a cra- you know, like news wise, it's been a kind of a crazy week in the bowling world, somewhat. Yeah, I mean, unexpectedly, since the tour hasn't even like officially started yet, and all this kind of news and. Uh, breaking news has been coming out. We've been trying to keep up with it. Yeah, and uh, I know Lucas Wiseman, you know, kind of said on Twitter the other day that he had a very busy day uh, with multiple things going on. But, you know, Rob, you said I, I wasn't surprised by a lot of the news. I mean, I think some of, some of these announcements that we've heard over the last few days, particularly with the ball contract stuff, it, it was probably expected. But, Rob, there was a biggie. You know that was not expected, and that was Sean Rash uh, leaving Brunswick, who he had been with for his whole career, to go to not 900 Global. So, Rob, you know how we do around here. When the news drops, uh, we we got to have people on and uh, and get the word right from them. So, we have them here. Sean, what's up, man? How are you? What's up, guys? It's nice to know that I can only get on because I did something interesting. <laughs> No, you, you know, you, you have an open invitation, right? First of all. And, uh, yeah, obviously, I mean, anytime you want to come on, but listen, uh, let's get into it right away. Everybody wants to know your thoughts. Everybody wants to hear from you, you know, the hot topic right now, uh, in the, in, in, in sports in general is, uh, is Drew Locke the future for Denver, Sean? Is, is he is Absolutely, he more man. I mean, or is he more John Elway? Which which is it? Well, I mean, he went four and one in five games. I mean, this guy's a future Hall of Famer. Hopefully, uh, guy was solid though. And uh, as a Bronco fan, it was nice to see us actually win a game finally. <laughs> see, we know our guests around here. We know what's good. But yeah, all kidding aside, uh, let's talk about the change of of uh, ball staff, Sean. I mean, this is. This is a monumental change, right, and, and uh, an announcement anyway, very close to the start of the tour. Rob, you and I know behind the scenes, you know, some you know, people are going to test out balls. They might be throwing some stuff here and there just to check it out. 
So we, Sean may be a little bit more familiar with the equipment than, than uh, we're, we're giving him credit for. But uh, first question, Sean, you know, what, what was behind this decision, man? Man, there's, uh, there's a lot that goes into decisions like this, right? Um, for the very first time in my career, I, back in last, uh, last May was the first time I'd ever thrown a competitor's product that actually fit my hand just to do some testing uh, for Brunswick, you know, to try to plan ahead, um, you know, through some Ebonite stuff, through some Storm stuff, and it was uh, unbelievable. It was like, wow, these are some things that I like, some things I don't like, you know, glad I'm where I'm at. And then, um, so, you know, changing companies and throwing different products, is not, it's not that big of a deal because Global makes great products. Brunswick made products that were good. Ebonite made products that were good. Storm makes products that are good. So, you know, transitioning from one company to another, um, you know, it's, it's easy uh, because they make great products. I have a great support system, and I'm really excited about it. Okay, so uh, no, the, the one thing I want to ask, I guess, next is <clears throat> do you have, you know, you mentioned you have some experience. You were throwing some stuff. Uh, what balls do you like so far? What like, the tour starts up next week? What should we see you uh, expect to see you throwing from the uh, 900 global line? Yeah, so you know the, the interesting part about the PBA tour and and every company is we're going to be bowling on two different patterns for the next three weeks, right? So uh, 45 feet and 38 feet and 40, 36. I mean, so a couple longs and some medium patterns. So you're going to see a lot of different bowling balls shapes, patterns, styles of play, and everything. So to answer your question, I'm going to throw more than likely uh, some really strong bowling balls on the left lanes. Uh, so the new uh, Equilibrium, uh, the new X, Money Badger, uh, Volatility, and then on the right lane, I'll probably be throwing the Extreme Solid, Extreme Pearl, uh, Flux, White Badger, and then as the lanes break down, I'll be getting into, you know, the lower end type of bowling balls, Ordnance, Ordnance Pearl, After Dark, and, uh, you know, whatever fits my eye. At the same time, you're going to see some urethane go down the lane like you always do because that's what everybody likes to throw nowadays on medium to short patterns. So uh, really excited about throwing the Booyah um, and also the 70-30 uh, infused on on the shorter patterns and uh, what I've seen uh, you know just in testing and everything else is I feel like the infused is really close to a purple hammer and then the booyah was you know close to a pitch black which basically is a pitch black and uh, it gives me some shapes and, and things that I haven't seen in the past. Mm. Now, Sean uh, let me ask you will there be some kind of transition period uh you think maybe like the first like few tournaments the first half of year uh where you might not start seeing like results or more of the fact where you're so used to throwing brunswick that it's going to take you a little bit like a learning curve when it comes to throwing the new stuff uh the new 900 global compared to what you're used to with the brunswick stuff well i sure hope not um so like when i was doing an interview earlier this week was you know, if I was still with Brunswick, they just came out with seven or eight bowling balls as well on the Brunswick Deviate and Radical line. You know, I'd be testing those balls and practicing with those things right now too. So um, I would not be able to, you know, get a whole lot of games in with those things either. 
um, and I'd be learning those all over again. You know, yeah, I would have some favorites from the the summer and fall releases, but at the end of the day, I'm going through the same transition that I have been for years, uh, going into the beginning of a season. A bunch of new product in my hand, testing it, throwing it on house patterns, PVA patterns, whatever it is, just to get used to it and figure out, oh, I like this one, or I don't like this one, or this one's going to be used in the beginning of a block or an end of a block. So, um, you know, like for me, um, you know, understanding that uh, the equilibrium and the X are going to be used for longer patterns, and I'm probably going to be throwing a, a volt or a light badger and an after dark on the shorter patterns with urethane. That's all you're trying to figure out more than anything. So really excited about what I've seen so far. I've bowled on house patterns, uh, five or six different PVA patterns, broken down house patterns and, and whatnot. Um, been very great, uh, thankful and, and blessed to bowl at a center at Parkside Lanes where, you know, I've hosted multiple tournaments where we have multiple machines and we put out multiple patterns and they've been doing that for me for the last week. And I've got a lot of good practice in and uh, I'm really excited to, to start the season next next week. Mm. That's some good input. Uh, what about a uh, change of tour reps? And I know talking to some of our other uh, guests and friends that are on tour, they talk about how like the relationships with their tour reps are, are super important because they know their games more than anybody. Uh, and I know since you obviously were Brunswick for seems like forever, uh, the tour reps knew your game pretty well. Uh, you see that being a little bit of a challenge on changing tour reps and them learning your layouts and your surfaces and your like moves. No, not at all. Because, uh, the bonus about going to the Team uh, 900 Global is we get to work with the Storm reps and Roto Group reps. And uh, if you look at that team there, Jim Callahan, uh, Sean Ryan, who I went to college with, and Timmy Mack, who basically helped me learn how to be a global ambassador, um, and also uh, just a few more uh, guys that have worked there that I've worked with in the you know for years. And you know these guys watch me bowl just because I haven't communicated with them uh, with my moves and this like and that. They understand what my strengths are already. Uh, the other thing that's going to be very beneficial is. I'm going to a team with a guy named Chris Barnes. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's pretty good. Uh, was pretty good, still pretty good, will be pretty good for a few more years. Uh, you know, and, I mean, I used to bowl doubles tournaments with this guy when I started bowling for money. Um, you know, we've got a great history from Wichita State, uh, Team USA. Uh, he actually got me pretty much on staff with Brunswick back in 2002. Now he's got me on staff with the Global 900. Uh, it's going to be pretty easy to transition into working with Steve Jacobs and Tim Mack and, and everybody else. So really excited about the, uh, the opportunity to work with a, a new group, a fresh, uh, fresh start, and some of the best people in the business. Yeah, well, you said it. I mean, uh, I think generally, you know, that team is thought of as uh, the best team in the business. I would use the same words. And, yeah, Rob, I want to have a little side discussion just here for a minute. Um, Sean brought it up. You know, he mentioned the name there, uh, Sean Ryan, who was a rep for Ebonite and has signed a deal with Storm and is now going to be repping for Storm. Rob, I think, you know, aside from all the bowling ball changes, et cetera, that may be one of the 
most impactful things that happened in these last few weeks of all these announcements. Would you agree with that, Rob? Yeah, Sean. I mean, Sean Ryan has got just, a, I mean, such a glowing recommendation from people that worked with him at Ebonite uh, and just the whole four brands of how great Sean Ryan is. And I personally, I know him. He's a great, he's a great guy, but uh, he's just a really smart ball rep. And uh, uh, Sean's going to have the best of both worlds. He gets to work with Sean Ryan and he gets to work with the uh, professor of bowling, Chris Barnes, as I, I like to call him. He's definitely yeah, a professor. Well, he's one of those guys that's uh, very methodical and, and thinks through things way better than I do. Uh, but yeah, you thought you talk about Sean Ryan there. Um, as players, we talked for we've talked for months and years about who do you want to work with uh, that works on a different team, and uh, you know some guys were like, "Well, I really want to work with Sean Ryan or Mike Snellbaker from Evanite," or somebody would say Rob Gottschall, and then you you bring up the Storm team and you go, "Wow, I really want to work with uh, Timmy Mack," or some guys were like, "Well, I really want to work with Jim Callahan because he's a little different." You know, everyone sees the game differently, everyone coaches the game differently, everyone plays the game differently, right? So you just have all these things, and, you know, Sean's that young blood, uh, easygoing guy, uh, very uh, talkative uh, with information. He, he scouts pairs. Um, he is positive, and he's just – he's not that guy that just pulls you down, right? You need that positive influence, Um it's the same thing in golf, right? You know, why did Tiger Woods have Steve Williams on his bag for so long? Uh, you know, every time Tiger said, hey, I want to hit a seven iron, he goes, absolutely, right club, good swing, head down, follow through, boom. And what did Tiger do? He stuck at the three feet almost every time, right? So uh, that's where the, the communication with ball reps and everything is going to be just fine for me, guys. I've got a great relationship with Steve Jacobs already. We've talked every day uh, since this happened about what I've seen, what he sees. Um, just so you guys know, and I don't mind telling the world this because I don't know anything about numbers, you know, the RGs and differentials and this and that. I mean, I get part of it, but put three holes in it. Let me throw it. And I'm going to tell you in three shots if I like it or if I don't like it. And it just makes it so much easier when you have that kind of relationship with your ball rep and, and teammates and everything else. So, you know, Chris Barnes and I are going to like a lot of the same bowling balls because we play the game pretty much the same way. And guys like Sam Cooley and Spar and uh, a couple other guys that have way higher ball speeds and higher rev rates and tilts, we're not going to throw the same balls, guys. So it's, uh, like I said, just to, to interrupt you guys there, the ball reps are going to be fine. A bowling ball is a bowling ball. They make great products. They have for a long time. They would be the fastest bowling brand in, in bowling if they hadn't been. And uh, it's just a perfect fit for me right now. Yeah, man, I, 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 it's it's interesting to me. It is. I honestly, I, I've said it on the podcast before. I just think that I, as a fan and as a, somebody who follows bowling, I would love to just get more information, more coverage, more discussion, more analyzation of these issues of of ball contracts and and switches of staffs and switches of ball reps and who works well with who. I mean, you know, the same way that other sports have really analytical data. You know, imagine the analytical data that you could have in bowling if we had, you know, uh, people looking at it in that way. But it's just really interesting to me. So we'll we'll see how things play out. But, uh, Rob, I think I speak for both of us, man. Sean, good luck to you uh, 
uh, with the change. And, you know, we, we hope it works out. I mean, you, you had a great year last year, so the standard is high, right? And, and the, the flow bowling uh, rankings came out the, the last pieces this week. And, uh, you, you know, you were ranked number two. And Rob and I have known you for a long time, Sean, and, and you're an ultra-competitive guy. You know, I know that being number two probably doesn't sit all that well with you. So how do you, how do you take over that number one spot? How do you make this a better season even than what you had last year and, and make a run at that number one spot? Well, the only way to make it better is to win more, right? And, uh, you know, last year was a, an unbelievable season, a dream season, and the only reason it wasn't my best year ever was because I didn't win player of the year. And realistically, there's – it would be hard to not win player of the year last year with what Belmo did. Uh, a guy I have a tremendous respect for as a player. Uh, he did some things last year that players dream of, and that was to win 10 and 11th major, you know, bowl for a major in almost every one of them, if I'm not mistaken, for the title, but the uh, Masters where he was hurt and the U.S. Open where he still made the show. Um, I bowled awful at the World Series, and I didn't bowl good at the Masters. Um, bowled decent at the TSC, bowled decent at the Players, and led the U.S. Open. Uh, you know, if I win the U.S. Open, my name gets, you know, thrown in the discussion. I probably am number two in the Player of the Year voting. Um, and you know, if a couple of titles go my way, it would have been fine. You know, missed the ten pin. Of course, everyone's going to bring that up. I might as well just go ahead and bring it up. Um, <laughs> I was going to say that. I was yeah, go ahead. I I, I'm, I'm more, I'm more upset of the roll two pin, right? Like, and then through the face. But you know, sometimes things happen and it wasn't meant to be losing that match helped me win the next one. And, you know, the seven tens in the summer against BJ and Tommy Jones helped me win uh, my tournament here in Parkside. And it helped me, pro you know, propel to my win in China and, you know, losing the U S open helped me win in China, you know, being in a position to win. So uh, you got to open that door every time you can guys. And, uh, yeah, I hate being number two. Nobody likes to be number two. People don't remember who's number two. Uh, they just don't. And, uh, you know, the, the Talladega Knights, you, you got to be, if you're not first, you're last. And, uh, you know, I, I train to be number one. I'm very competitive. Uh, it's the reason why a lot of people don't like me. Honestly, don't care. Um, you know, I, I'm out there for myself and for my family and to do the best thing I can for the companies I represent, you know, right? So a lot of the interviews I've done this week, guys, of people, they just don't know us off the lanes, right? Because they see a personality. Um, you know, I want to be seen as somebody that's given back a bunch to the sport, you know, traveling around the world, giving clinics and promoting the game and being an ambassador. Uh, I understand that I'm tough to work with. Uh, I wear my heart on my sleeve. Um, I don't think through things when I'm in the heat of the moment because it's, you know, you're an athlete, right? You're not supposed to, and we don't have agents and a book of, I don't have 20 bullets here that tell you guys, okay, I got to go through one, two, three, four. I'm, I'm speaking from the heart right now, right? You know, it's nine o'clock at night. I'm ready to go to bed, but, uh, this is important to me, right? I want to, I want the fans to hear what I've got to say. I'm extremely excited about this opportunity with global. Um, we got a huge uh, thing on Saturday, you know, Facebook live about the official welcoming. Barney yeah, and I are going to be together. Dude, it's going to be fun. I mean, yeah, no, we're going to be what, uh, what, what are the details cool on that show on a Saturday? What time is it? Yeah, Saturday, two o'clock central. We're going to be live at Plano Super Bowl in Dallas. 
Uh, I'm going to be doing interviews all week with Slow Bowling, uh, with the PBA, with Mulhurst Journal, you name it. I mean, I got crucified on the forums about, I said, this is going to be the biggest change our industry's ever seen. And, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but not many players leave one company after being there for so long. And, uh, you know, this is a big change. I thought I would be a lifer at Brunswick. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be. Um, but at the same time, I'm very fortunate that Global's taken an opportunity with me. And uh, I'm, I can't tell you how excited I am, guys. It's the communication has been unbelievable. The social media, the marketing is top notch. Uh, we've got so many ideas of uh, clinics and camps worldwide. Um, it's been phenomenal and overwhelming the amount of support that uh, both Global and I have received so far. I got five or six different countries that want me to come already to do clinics and, and help promote the brand. So apparently I'm doing something right. Mm. You know, Mike, uh, I was just thinking about the emotion between Sean Rash and Timmy Mack. Like, what, <laughs> uh, who's going to be able to control that on TV? Like, I, I can't wait for Sean to win a tournament and, and Timmy being there. And I, I don't think Fox – I don't think anybody could handle that, honestly. Like, I'm just thinking about it. That, that's going to be pretty awesome to watch, honestly. Yeah, it's, it's going to be amazing. an emotional explosion. <laughs> I don't know who's going to be more excited. I mean, uh, like, like I said, Timmy's got his job with Storm first, uh, but we're very fortunate to be able to use Timmy. Uh, he's doing a whole bunch of other things with Storm right now, so he'll be in and out through the tour season from what I've been told. And, uh, you know, our first guy right now is Steve Jacobs. That's our main ball rep. Um, you know, I'll be going to Chris plenty for advice and uh, ideas on playing, uh, playing patterns with the balls that I'm throwing, but, uh, guys, the bowling ball never lies. You know, if it needs to hook more, I need a stronger ball. If it needs to hook less, I need a weaker ball. Uh, if I need to play five because everybody else is playing five, I'm going to grab a bowling ball and play five. And if I need to play fourth or fifth arrow, I'm going to play fourth or fifth arrow. And, um, you know, I've been one of the few that have basically won it from every part of the lane. Um, and I've been very fortunate to be able to do that too. So, uh, I think I'll be okay. Um, I, I really believe things are going to be just fine. I'm really excited about the the start of the season next week. I'm in probably some of the best shape I've been uh, in my career. Um, still not 100%. You know, any any day my knee could go out or my back could go out again, but um, I feel strong and healthy. Uh, you know, I've been working out quite a bit over the last couple of weeks and practicing a lot. It's going to be a lot of fun, guys. And uh, I do have a lot of goals and, and high standards, of course, but, uh, I just need to go out there and, and make shots, fill frames, and, and let the ball do its work. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, come on. We're, Rob, we're talking to a future Hall of Famer here, right? Uh, that, that, there's no question there. Um, you know, your career speaks for itself. So, as you said before, the bowling balls are only so much of it. Uh, but, yeah, we wanted to get you on. Obviously, it's a hot topic in, in, in the bowling industry this week. So, we wanted to hear your thoughts. Uh, here's my prediction, Rob. And I don't even need Sean to comment on this. But, yeah, I think that Sean's the kind of guy where put in a situation like this, it's going to fuel his fire. And uh, I wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me if, even though the standard is high, as we both said, uh, if he does come out this year and have a, a really excellent season that, that even surpasses some of the best years that he's had. So, Sean, we know you're leaving tomorrow, man. We greatly appreciate the time. 
real quick, how's the family, man? I, I saw you practicing with Pops today. Yo, it looks like he's got some yeah. strap, man. <laughs> yeah, so uh, dad, uh, Dad's pretty excited. Uh, that pair that we were bowling on, um, the left lane was the long lane, the right lane was the short lane that we're practicing on next week. And uh, Dad got a chance to throw two of the new balls from from Global, and uh, Dad's a little older guy, a little slower speed, but he threw a couple of them out to the gutter and watched it hook back, and he's like, "Oh boy!" Uh, so that was fun to see. And uh, you know, I'm a family guy first and foremost. I'll do anything for any any one of my family members. And you know, my mom and dad got me started five, 35, 36 years ago. Now, you know, as a baby sitting down on the ground, and uh, it's just so nice. I mean. I didn't even have to beg him to bowl with me. He was like, hey, I really want to practice with you today. I'm like, awesome. And mm-hmm. uh, for the last week, my little girl has gone with me every day. One of my little girls, my oldest, Kaylee, uh, Olivia, went with me last weekend. And it's just so much fun um, to be able to do it with my mom and dad and my girls and, and my wife and all of my family. So, yeah, that was, uh, was fun. A lot of people said uh, I needed to give him some better uh, – uh, better lane courtesy. I think one of the comments said that I should have let him bowl first. But don't uh, read the comments, man. That that's yeah. general advice giving everybody. <laughs> just stay away from the comments, man. Stay, oh, no, stay away from the sh- stay away from the shitty message boards too, because they they're shitty too. The forums. We talked about that on a recent episode too. So stay away from them and don't read the comments. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I I use it for fuel, man. Like you said just a minute ago. Uh, you know, last year I had a chip on my shoulder all year because I was told I wasn't good enough anymore and I was old and this and that. And now I, all I've heard for the last week was I can't win with a global ball and Brunswick is the only thing that I could do good with. And, uh, you know, guys, I'm motivated. Uh, I've always been motivated. It doesn't matter what ball I'm throwing. You know, I want to succeed. I want to be one of the best ever, um, one of the best currently. And, you know, we're, a, we're an individual sport. You know, it's, uh, I want to see my teammates do good. I just want to see them, you know, finish one pin behind me, of course. Um, at the end of the day, though, we, I want to see our sport grow. Uh, I, I have said that for many, many years. If our sport grows and more people are bowling and more people are buying balls and more sponsors and more TV, it, it helps everyone. And uh, things have been so good for our sport the last couple of years with the, the Bolero purchase, with Fox Sports, with Flow Bowling. Um, there's just so many pauses right now, and you just got to keep that thing going. Uh, all those people, like you said, on the message boards that are negative, there's there's a couple of them that they know who they are, and they're just funny to, to listen. You know, everyone thinks they know everything about what's going on, and uh, they have no idea what's going on. So uh, that's the feel for the fire, man. You know, Belmo said it best, you know, just, all you people that keep hating, keep hating. It just fuels the fire, and I say the same thing. Guys, I know all the players feel that way. So I keep the positive people in my life, and I've gotten rid of the negative people in my life over the last six or seven months. And uh, man, it's been a it's been a lot of fun. Mm. That's awesome. Well, Sean, we're gonna um, we're gonna get you out of here. I know you got a next busy few months here, but uh, real quick, next time you're uh, practicing at uh, Parkside. Give me a text. Uh, I'll drive up. I'll, I'll lace my. I'll lace the shoes up, and uh, I'll take some of that PBA money of yours. You know. So. Oh man, I don't know yeah, if you've he's... ever taken PBA money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, listen, uh, he's just he's just trying to get free balls anyway. Don't give him shit for free. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nah. I mean, come on. You know. I'm, 
I'll take it back 2003 via via Saginaw Valley, you know. So yeah, okay. oh, yeah. I, yeah, I remember 2003. Wichita State won the college championships. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm thinking 2002 then. <laughs> yeah, no, you are. You're thinking 2002 for sure. Sean, man. Yeah, and I remember. Hey, I remember 2002. Western Illinois won that year. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Keep we going, did. man. Keep I going. Know, yeah, that's, all right. You get the Touche. They were good. They were good. They were they were an excellent team. But uh, listen, man, safe travels. Good luck. We know you guys are going to be away for a while. So, uh, you know, have a great time out there and and good luck and much success, man. Thanks for yeah, the time. Yeah, we're going to on, man. Seriously. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, like I said, very confident, very happy, thankful for this opportunity with Global. Uh, I've said it in every interview, I, I want to thank Brunswick for an amazing 17 years and everybody that helped me over the last 17 years. Uh, I hope those relationships continue, uh, not just here in the United States, but worldwide. Um, but, you know, I'm moving on to, to Team 900 Global and uh, helping grow their brand and continue to help grow the sport of bowling. And there's some good people there with Wes Pye and Matt, uh, Dave and Dell and Vaughn. I mean, there's a list of guys, but uh, we've got a great team. Uh, like I said, it's going to be a lot of fun here this year in 2020 and beyond. So, Thank you guys for having me on. Uh, I hope the fans enjoy this one. Um, if they love me, they love me. If they hate me, they hate me, and I don't care. But uh, it's going to be a great season. There's a lot of good things here with the PBA and the players, and looking forward to a great year. All right, man. Good luck, Sean. Yeah, good luck. Peace. Bye. Yep. All right, so, Rob, uh, I-, I, hope, I hope the people are listening closely there, Rob. Hmm, I hope so. Yeah, there's some good nuggets in there. Listen, if you were if you were half-assed listening to that interview, you need to take my advice and go back and rewind that and listen to it again and give it your full attention. Do you agree, Rob? Absolutely. Some really good hidden tidbits in there. Some nuggets that he uh, he was uh, definitely uh, talking about. But uh, man, I, only I, only so much can be said, Rob. So I know. You know and I mean, here's the thing: is, when it, his, his, come to his move real quick from from Brunswick. To global uh i mean look like it's it's a big move for him the guy's been with he's been with brunswick since he's in college uh wichita was a brunswick sponsored team and he was with brunswick i even think before maybe even college god was he with brunswick when he was in juniors how long did he say it was like 16 or 17 years right yeah it was a while man that's crazy you go from six 17 years to one company to all of a sudden 17 years mike that you're starting yeah, but, to the equipment. But hold on, Rob. Like, and and I'll I'll start by saying this. I feel like the uh, the advantages of throwing a certain company's balls over time, over long periods of time, seems to like ebb and flow. Where Correct. you know, obviously, I think the general feeling in the bowling world, and, and you know, I don't again, I don't speak for everybody, but I just have my finger on the pulse and. I think generally people look at Storm as the best company or, or the most desirable company to be with. And Ebonite was a, a, a close second to that. And Brunswick was kind of a distant third to that. You know, I even almost feel like over the last cu- couple years, Motive may have outpaced Brunswick and taken that third spot. So right. with, do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, no. I, I don't think that's yes. like a real risky thing to say, right? So no, you're not, you eliminate... No, no. You you eliminate Brun- you eliminate Ebonite from that equation right now. All those balls are coming through um, Brunswick, all right. And 
yeah, I, I just think that if Sean had a lot of success with a company that even in those ebbs and flows, people felt or the general consensus was that they were near the bottom more than they were at the top. Even, again, even in those ebbs and flows, like for instance, one ball I can think about Brunswick coming out with over the last like 10 years or so, 15 years, and I'm talking a long period of time with the ebbs and flows, was the Nexus series. Nexus. Right? Like when they came out with that, that purple Nexus, that ball was great. I mean, that oh, was an amazing ball. ball. Right. The Inferno series was really good. I remember, um, you know, there's a few others too. Like even the, the, the melee jab, I know with a lot of people is a really popular ball that they, they came out with more recently. Um, but, but again, in general, I think people viewed them as closer to the bottom than they did the top. And now he's going and he's throwing the balls that are affiliated with storm who Mm -hmm. people generally look at as the, best company to be affiliated with so mm. come on like how, how can how can that be that a bad thing you know I, I really can't look at it and say oh this is this is going to turn out to be a negative i mean the bone balls are the bone balls he made a great point like these guys are throwing different stuff all the time they never throw the same stuff two seasons in a row every time a new ball comes out that's what they're throwing so yeah how, i really yeah. don't think it's going to be that much of a of a factor uh, overall i think that you know, he, he's going to have success with these balls like he did with the, the Brunswick stuff. I disagree in the fact where there I, – I don't care what anybody tells me. I really feel like there's going to be a transition period because all of a sudden we look – and this is just being honest, and anybody who knows bowling ball companies knows Brunswick balls have notoriously burned up in the front part of the lane and not had a whole lot of – back-end motion. They've always burned up in, in the early part of the lanes. The, the motions are slower, right? It's a slower motion company, Brunswick. Now you go from that to a company like Global 900 and Storm, who are notoriously known for their motions being a lot quicker, a lot faster transitions from the, on the back part of the lane. Now, when you go from throwing slower motion balls for 16, 17 years to all of a sudden your transitions and your back ends are a lot quicker. There, there is going to be some kind of learning curve. Now you're right in the fact where he Rash is right. And you're right in saying that, look, this kid's a future hall of famer. Like he's going to, he's going to figure it out quick. Um, there's a chance those balls can be better for him. Uh, he's not going to have to create as much back end with his hand and he's going to be able to soften up his hand and do a lot of things maybe where he was physically like making up for a lot of the slow motion that Brunswick was doing. Now he doesn't have to do that with his hand as much as he could just let the ball kind of work for him in the back of the lane. So I kind of feel like Rash doing what he's been doing, it it, it could be a lot more of a dangerous Sean Rash because he's not going to have to kind of control as much as with his hand. So we'll see. But I feel like, yeah, that, like it could be a, a definitely a better move for him. But, hey, uh, it'll be interesting to see. There's a lot of good storylines going into this season coming up here. So, uh, you know, a lot of changes, a lot of things going on between these all these new bowling ball, uh, you know, switches with tour reps and then Bolero, right? And then I know next week we're going to have a pretty good episode, right, Mike, to talk about a lot of this, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. Uh, next week we're planning to definitely do more of a PBA preview episode. 
I'm I'm not sure that we'll have a player guest next week. Uh, I, I I'm pretty sure that I can say confidently that our in-house odds expert uh, PJ Haggerty is going to join us for a conversation, kind of previewing things. Um, so so we'll see where that stands. But Rob, just backtrack for one second. I want to make a point a bit about you know just a, a rebut of something that you said there. I would agree with what you're saying about the adjustment period. If I felt like somebody was going from a ball company that's going to give them less of a look than a ball company that's going to give them more of a look. And in this situation, I think he's more, he's likely to have more of a look and that can never be a bad thing. All right, Rob, we're going to keep it moving. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to bring on a guest here, little, little bit off the, the path of what we regularly do here. But we've been going in that direction for a few weeks because things have been kind of slow with the uh, competitive bowling world or the upper levels of the competitive bowling world. And, you know, speaking about the competitive bowling world, the, the guy we're going to bring on, uh, he's a tournament director. He's a bowler himself. Uh, I believe last year he won the, um, the, the New Year's Day marathon that's very popular on the East Coast. So uh, he's a bowler himself. He's a tournament director, college bowler, high school bowler. I've known him since he was a high school bowler. Uh, he's a tournament director in the local area that I'm in, Rob, and runs a lot of uh, interesting events. And he knew that we do the podcast, and he had talked to me a while back and wanted to come on. He does some live broadcasting on Facebook when he runs some of his events. So uh, he has a little bit of a following out there, too. But uh, he wanted to come on with us. And I told him, yeah, we'd be glad to welcome him on and come and chop it up about a number of topics that we'll get into here. But uh, we want to welcome him, uh, Mr. Greg Tack. Uh, Greg, what's good, man? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Absolutely, man. Did uh, Am I right that you won the New Year's Day Marathon last year? You are. You are right. Okay. Did you bowl this year? I bowled this year, and... I didn't do great. Okay, fair enough. Uh, all right, so welcome, welcome to Sweep the Rack. Uh, Rob, I guess our first question should be, you know, let, let Greg tell us a little bit about himself. Yeah, introduce introduce himself to our listening audience here. What do you think? Sure, yeah, I, I definitely am curious. All right, Greg, so go ahead. I, give me a rundown, man. Oh, cool. So I'm – yeah. And I really like sport bowling, competitive bowling. I CBA, I watch all kinds of sports. I try to stay in shape. It's uh it's a process, right? To get back in shape. I used to run competitive cross country um and track. Um I tried football, basketball as a kid, didn't um but as far as bowling went, I started with a 33 average and made my way up to a 230 average on a house shot, which perhaps, perhaps is uh, it's somewhat of, a, of an accomplishment. I think, uh, I think that there are other accomplishments out there in other sports that perhaps are a little more prolific. Um, but it, is a, it was a milestone for me because um, it showed that hard work. And I wasn't really the most gifted athlete. So it showed that a little bit of hard work and some knowledge of the game could help you get somewhere. And uh, then I took, um, you know, I wanted to get better on the patterns. Um, I've averaged over 230, over 224, at least eight years. And I've, over, I've averaged over 230 in the last five. Um, 
so I wanted to take it to patterns, and I wanted to get better on patterns because that's what the guys on tour do. Um, so I tried to do that, and uh, a lot of patterns, I throw, I throw kind of fast on a lot of patterns, and um, I'm able to trap the 10 board, kind of like uh, kind of like they say Ray Smarsh does, and sometimes uh, they say Rusty plays the 10 board as well. Um, but I, I like the 10 board. It, it's, a, it's a safe haven. And, um, oh, other, other than bowling, I, I run tournaments behind the scenes. I started when I was 18, um, August 2nd, 2014. I ran a junior tournament on a scorpion pattern, and the scores were so low. Uh, we went at Hazlitt, and I thought Scorpion was a little bit longer, and it, it was hooking out of the building. Um, and matches with 4-0-4-0 for two games, one. Uh, it was about even, took the win. And Andrew Dukowski won first title. The next tournament I ran was on Sydney, and the scores were even lower. And I kind of got this niche. I was like, I really like that these bowlers are coming here, and they're shooting really low scores, and they're getting a lot better. They're learning things. They're writing down notes. And then at the end of the year, we all went to junior gold, and we did really well. Um, that was the first year I made the cut at junior gold. Um, we had been bowling on patterns, all, all kinds of nifty patterns and stuff. Um, so I, you know, I saw a need in the game for us around in New Jersey at the time. They didn't have much sport bowling. You know, we'd go to junior gold, and, you know, we really wouldn't know what to expect uh, because we'd be bowling on very walled conditions. You know, our, our junior bowler tour – I until recently had used very walled conditions, at least when I was around. Um, PJBT, they're using a little bit more sport patterns, but some of them are, are walled as well. Uh, so, you know, they're starting to gear towards that now, but at the time it was very, uh, very open tracks. And when you got the junior goal, they had to make shots. So that's a little bit about me. I kind of rambled there a little bit, but um, I really like to run tournaments. I try to stay in shape and uh, I like to bowl a little bit. So so it's fair to say then that like if you were to rank the ways that you're involved in bowling cuz I know I know you pretty well uh it would be I guess tournament director 1 right bowler yeah probably 1A Yeah I would say bowler 1A though I mean cuz listen Rob like he uh, I'll be honest and I don't mean this is an insult Greg like Rob if you watched him bowl you you wouldn't be like oh man like he throws it amazing or anything like that but let me let me be clear he can play he can really play so any event he shows up to around our area like he's definitely in, in the mix to be in the finals etc so i would say bowler 1a and then i know that you also do some volunteer work in the bowling community with the USBC revolving around junior gold etc so we'll we'll get into that a little bit as as we move forward as well um, Rob, he's being coy a little bit. I bowl a lot of his events and basically what he likes to do is he likes to torture bowlers is pretty mm -hmm. much what he likes to do. Like it's to the point where his mom helps him at the events with running scores, et cetera. And she will openly tell people like, yeah, Greg doesn't really like to see people go plus at his tournaments. So when you show up to his event, you know, you're going to get an interesting challenge. You know that you, you your your brain is probably going to be racked by the end of the day, but um, yeah, I mean it's it's always it always involves uh, out of the box, outside the box thinking, I would say, and also good quality execution. So, Rob, from all of that, what uh, what do you want to follow up with there? 
Yeah, I guess my question would be as a tournament director, making the shot that hard, doesn't that affect your entries uh, when it comes to just people entering the tournament? Because I know a lot of bowlers, especially local bowlers, won't bowl tournaments where they're going to go 300 under, and then it takes a shot to their ego when they're averaging 225 or 230 in league. So, like, what is your thoughts on the fact where you think you're – are you costing yourself entries by making the shot that hard or you just don't care? It's just more like, cause you're just, you know, you like the hard shots. So I have, I actually have two answers to this because I definitely see the point where, you know, the bowlers are like, Oh, you know, he makes them really hard. So I'm not going to come bowl because I have to bowl against the pros and I have to, you know, make shots and yes, yeah, the shots of the ego, like you said, um, you know, that's, that I got a message from somebody saying that they were taking a break from the hard stuff. Uh, this, you know, coming up um, because, you know, they just didn't want to be grinding for, you know, 180s to barely cash, rather, you know, have a little break. Now, and I definitely see that, you know, sometimes you need a break in the, in the game. Uh, somebody commented on Facebook that you need a balance of easy and hard, and I definitely see that. Um, so, you know, my first answer to that is, you know, I, I want them to be tough. I want them to be challenging. But this year I'm trying something new, and this is answer two. Um, I'm going to try to make them a little bit easier. And on a couple of tournaments, not like walls, but two to one uh, around there. And I'm going to see, you know, if more bowlers show up. If I say, hey, it's going to be two to one. It's not going to be one to one. Uh, you know, I'm still not going to let you score, but it's not going to be like you're, bump, you're uh, bumping your head against the wall. So I guess we'll find out the, the, the real answer. Um, if I had to make a full evaluation of it, uh, I don't think it affects my entries in a negative way that they're so hard because the bowlers are looking for challenge patterns and, you know, you get to some tournaments that say they're on, and I'm doing air quotes here, sport patterns or challenge patterns, and the scores are the same because either the track is exposed, and that's, that's got to do with topography. That has nothing to do with the pattern itself, you know, at a certain point. And that's why some of the pros can really open up the lanes because everybody's playing things spot, it opens up, the oil breaks down properly, and they're able to create shape and margin of error, and scores look like hash sometimes. Um, so, you know, patterns and quotes turn into that stuff, and, and you see it you see it a lot, with, especially as the field's really strong. Um, my fields are, while they're very good bowlers in the field, there are a lot, there's a lot of experience, and there's a lot of bowlers that are looking to just have fun and bowl on patterns. That's why my entry fees are not too high. Uh, they're really reasonable, I think. Um, so I try to get a I try to get a mix in there, and what that does is bring the scores down because people are playing different parts of the lane. Some people are experimenting. Some people have different equipment. Some people have polish. Some people have shine, urethane, whatever it may be. Um, so there's really no consistent breakdown ever. So bowlers will oftentimes have to transition. They'll have to move when they go to, to the different lanes. And bowlers that have come have all said that, and they 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 keep coming back for that. Um, so, you know, to sum it up, um, I don't think it hurts because, you know, the bowler, bowlers are looking to bowl this stuff. There are enough bowlers out there that look to bowl that stuff that it might make up for the bowlers who wouldn't come out because they're saying, oh, you know, I'm going to fry out because, you know, I can't cook it. I can't send it out to the gutter and have it come back and strike, and I can't pull it into 20 and have it back up and hit the pocket anyway. Hmm. Well, I mean, that that's, that's a great answer. Uh, I guess – here, look, I have experience with a tournament director as yourself uh, in my own personal bowling 
world uh, where he would like completely kill a shot. I mean, kill it by making it a one-to-one 26-foot pattern. And we, and as a bowler, it just, it, it kind of was discouraging for somebody who does like bowling on tough shots. I, I don't love bowling on tough shots as much as Mike loves bowling on tough shots, but I, I definitely like to bowl on tough shots, but it got to the point where they were just so brutal and so tough that you just start questioning yourself. Like, why am I even bowling on this stuff? Like I'm never going to see a pattern. I'm never going to see a 26 foot one to one pattern ever if I was a pro amateur whatever. So yeah, I, I kind of would love to see how those entries and I'll definitely get feedback from Mike, how the two to one pattern, if, if your entries would go up um, because that's just, you know, that, that definitely a little bit easier and it might bring out more people. Um, but I just, I know, I guess I had to make that point because I, I, I as a bowler, I understand how tough those one-to-one short patterns are. And when you can't throw, you're, you're almost to the point where you, you're just throwing plastic at the head pin for about two games. Uh, and you're just like, what am I even bowling on right now? Um, Mike, uh, told me yesterday and I, I i wanted to ask you about this um you're uh, is it true that you're not you don't take out any any uh, money out of your tournaments like as a tournament director when, like when you're running these tournaments no not the entropies I, I don't take any out of the entropies mike we, we need about a thousand of these tournament directors across the country what do you think yeah listen i mean i that's that's what that's why i I decided to have Greg on. I mean, one of the reasons, like he, you know, he's very um, promotive of the sport of bowling. You know, a lot of what he does is to promote the sport of bowling. Like he just said, you know, there's a lot of people that bowl his events that they're kind of just dipping their foot in the pool of bowling on tougher shit. And, you know, some of them have really bad experiences and I'm sure they don't want to come back and others have a bad experience and decide they will come back. And some don't have that bad of an experience and decide to come back. But yeah, he's exposing a lot of people to that side of the game. You know, um, I will say that some of his patterns tend to be extreme. Uh, I've bowled a lot of his, like he runs an event called the friction marathon, which is basically like a short one-to-one kind of like you just described where, you know, they're, they're just, they're, they're tough. I mean, they're really tough. Like it's, it's some of the tougher stuff that I've ever bowled on, but you, you know what you're getting into before you go. And yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy a challenge. That's why I bowl the game. You know, I think the game should be challenging. Um, so my follow up to, to that, well, first of all, Greg, you, you, you know, promote your organization, man. Cause you, you have a name, it's New Jersey sport bowling, right? At NJ Sport Bowling, we have 12 tournaments this year. Uh, two, two of them have already run coming up on Saturday. Um, not today. It's next at this Saturday, the, the 11th. Winter sprint at Lodi Lanes. It's the sixth banner, and it's going to be a rated one pass, which is a 2-2-2-2.25. Two to, two to two, two um, so it's between two to one and two point two five to one, so the scores will be a little bit higher than normal um, for an entry into the challenge, and the entry fee is even more reduced than normal. 
Yeah, okay. So New Jersey Sport Bowling, NJ Sport Bowling, you guys can check them out on uh, Facebook for sure. I know that you can look them up on there. Uh, any other social media that they should follow you guys on, Greg? I have an Insta- We have an Instagram. Uh, we have a Twitter, but it's not really used. Um, but at NJ Sport Bowling for both of those. And we do have a website. Uh, it's site.google.com slash view slash NJ Sport Bowling. I know that okay. was a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, people are going to need a pen, pencil and paper for that, but that's okay. All right, so let's, let's continue our conversation here after a little promotion. So go go check out uh, the social media, especially Facebook. I know Greg posts a lot on there. Um, here's what I want to talk about. Here's what I want to follow up with after after your your et cetera, your little conversation with Rob there. So I've known you since you were a high school bowler, and you discussed how you know you kind of came up bowling on house conditions and easier stuff. Excuse me, and you reached a certain point where, you know, you went to junior gold, and you didn't, you, you kind of really didn't know what you were getting into, and didn't have all that great of an experience. Came back and decided to kind of rededicate yourself, learn more about the patterns, figure it out, bind yourself together with other guys that wanted to do the same thing, and you went out, you had a much better experience. But let me ask you this, Greg, because there were a lot of other kids that you bowled high school against and that were in the high school ranks at the same time that you were and had those same experiences as you. Do you believe that there are a lot of kids who have the opposite response to that experience that you did where they say, you know what, like I got this good on high school stuff. I averaged now, you know, you, Rob, he was in a, he, I would say he was an exceptional high school bowler. Didn't you win the individual state championship for New Jersey or no? I was second my senior year. Okay, yeah, you came in second. second. Yeah, your team came in second. So he he competed at an ultra-high level in New Jersey high school bowling. So there were a lot of good bowlers around him and a lot of guys that that weren't competing at at quite a high level as he were, but were very good bowlers in their own respect. You know, kids who averaged 215, 220, et cetera, as a high school kid. I mean, Rob, you're a high school kid. You're averaging 220. You're showing up and watching league bowlers that average 220, 225 who think they're hot shit, and you're in high school, and these guys are our age. So you got to be thinking to yourself, oh, man, like I'm, I'm going to be better, way better than these guys someday. So my question is, do you think there's a lot of kids who had the opposite response, you know, who were at the same level you were at but had the opposite response to that experience where after they figured out that there was another side to the game – and there was this whole other side of the game to learn that you basically had to relearn the game to a certain degree that they just said, ah, oh, the hell with it, and, and you know, discontinued their, their involvement with bowling. I, that's really tough because I see a lot of kids go out, their junior gold numbers are way up, and, you know, I, I do work for junior gold, my favorite tournament of the year, um, and there are a lot of ways to qualify for junior gold. You qualify at a Pepsi tournament, you qualify on a sport league, you can qualify in a half shot, you can qualify just about anywhere. And, um, you know, that offers junior gold spots that fills out the paperwork properly. Um, I might I might have that wrong. You might not be able to a shot, but you certainly can in a Pepsi tournament. Um, and you can, obviously, on on, uh, on sport patterns. Um, when I went out there, Rob, I almost, uh, Rob and Mike, I almost quit um, my junior year. I, I bowled so bad at Buffalo. Um, I was in tears, and it was. I was a junior in high school. I I was you know 18 years old, summer from my summer going into my senior year, and you know my uh, 
I didn't go with a coach. Uh, Greg Rotengen was my coach at the, at the time, and um, I really liked when he was behind me. Um, I, I didn't know it at the time. I was, I was kind of stuck. Um, you know, he went um, the year after, and I made it. And the year after that, I made it as well, made it in Chicago and Indy. But before, I went to Buffalo. I went, like, minus 500. And I really, you know, I really considered quitting. I, I did. And this was me after having, you know, already learned that, you know, I'm supposed to learn already. I, I go, you know, in eighth grade, I didn't know what I was doing. And I uh, all I knew how to do was play up the, the second arrow. And I did okay. I did even worse the next year. Uh, I was my, my freshman year of high school, um, and you know, I got I got food poisoning and ended up in Peyton Manning Children's Hospital in Indy. That was an experience. Um, and then I, you know, was beside myself. I had to rearrange my whole squad schedule. And at that time, it was just three squads, uh, five games. Um, even before that, we were in Vegas my eighth grade year with six games. Then they then they moved it to five three squads. And my last year, they changed it to four days, four squads, and four patterns. So that was that was interesting. A little bit rambling, but the, the to answer your question, um, I think that some bowlers might get discouraged if they go out there and they, you know, they, they qualify. Depending on where they qualify and what their experiences are, um, if they, you know, don't, you know, ever see patterns before, they go out to junior gold. They'll, they're going to be shocked. They're going to be shocked to see it. Um, and you know, I some some might give up on that and that's unfortunate um because you know i i've definitely seen bowlers in our area and they're like you know hey you know this is really hard and i would always tell them you know hey keep it up keep going you know try to you know try to learn it you know you know we're all here to help you and you know at, at the time i was a kid i was running a junior gold league um and I, you know there were coaches there i was like hey go to this guy or or go to you know matt o'grady was the coach at the time um you know Go to go to Matt O'Grady. He'll help you. He'll help you learn the game. He'll help you. He'll help you um, figure out how to play on sport patterns. And uh, you know, that was how you know I I had coaching at Oakwood Lanes with Greg Rotengen and uh, Tim Mullen, and they were able to help me you know read patterns and something that I couldn't see standing back there. And my own dad got invested in the game, um, so you know I was able to take that to the next level. And there's certainly an opportunity to grow when you learn this side and when you go out there and you, you sort of, you know, get your butt handed to you a little bit, you know, I had to learn that. I had to learn all of that. I wasn't a natural at it. Um, but I, I get it, you know, and, and that's a mentality thing. There's a lot of people that to be just sort of handed to them and sort of easier to get to. Um, and there is a, you, you know, you're right. There's a full relearning of the game. Pass shot bowling completely different. Sport shot bowling completely different skill set. Yes, I said there is a skill to house shot bowling. I do believe that. Um, and when you go out to junior gold, it's 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 really eye opening. So yes, perhaps there's a response there, but I don't think it I don't think it's a standout for bowling at all. I think it's just like any other sport that when you present a challenge to it, you know, all of a sudden people just you know they they either you know want a you know participation trophy or they're they're just gonna you know not do it anymore. Mm, okay, you know, fair answer. I I, I just think that. Somebody that looked at it the way that you did, you know, I I just tend to believe that that person is the exception and not the rule. You know, I just, uh, you know, I I find it hard to believe that there's kids who build up to a two fifteen, two twenty average as a high school bowler think that that's something, you know, that is worthy of recognition or accomplishment. Which I guess in a way it is, 
Um, you know, you mentioned like, oh, well, there's a skill set to house bowling. Okay, I, I'll give you that, right? I'll say that there's a skill set to house bowling, but that skill set is much smaller and much easier to master than the skill set required for, for the other side of the game. And I just think that there's a lot of kids who, I mean, Greg, come on, like we bowled in a, in a, in a high school league where uh, tournaments would be 50 lanes of guys and 30 lanes of girls. And, and then, you know, you, you show up to events or tournaments, et cetera, and there's 50 people there, you know, and, that, and that's a good event. So, you know, somewhere along the line, these people are choosing not to relearn the game or to, you know, make a serious effort to get involved in the competitive side of the game. Um, I, I'd like to hear your thoughts quickly on, uh, you know, if you did you watch the latest Bolero Elite Series? Yes, I did. Okay, so they had the red oil on the lane, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, Belmo had tweeted out, we just had him on the show a couple episodes back, and he had tweeted out that, you know, he likes the idea of having different colored oils to uh, kind of differentiate what people are bowling on. Um, do you think that might make a difference? Um, with In regards to which pattern it is, I mean, you know, the pattern well, that they no, were bowling in, on. Well, in no, rega- in regards to people being more more uh, aware of, of of the differences and in terms of people – uh, being more willing to engage in the other side? I think so. I would really like to see more of that actually go on the high school level. The high school level introduces sport patterns, and that's what they see, that's what they're expecting, then I think that we'll see a difference and we'll see a change in the mentality of that. You know, they're already seeing sports shot patterns, and, you know, and I'll admit, you know, they weren't they weren't exactly, you know, one-to-ones when I was in high school. You know, they were kind of hard. <laughs> Sorry, they were kind of easy. Um, you know, the shots were, you know, they were they were forgivable. And, um, you know, it was certainly, you know, when you're under pressure and you're, you're trying to make a shot in the tent, you know, it's just as hard. Uh, you know, you're just as nervous. And I certainly felt that in, you know, back-to-back years where I was playing for state titles. And, uh, you know, we came up short both times. Um, but, you know, that if we introduce sport patterns and we recognize that that is, you know, that could be the future for these kids. I think that the expectation will, will change. I think the education of it's great. I, what I really like the best is the spectrum mapping that the PBA has. You can actually see mm. where the ball goes and you can compare that to how many pins they knock down. You can see like where they're supposed to play. They do like a expected map, like a projected, you know, this is what the line they're playing is. And then they also do, you know, where the ball actually went and how many pins they knocked down. And if they're inside the line, that'll go through the nose and they'll leave a Greek church and they'll say, oh, well, that was inside. They, they can't play there. So I think that both of them are a good combination to see the oil on the lane. I love, I love both ideas. Um, you know, I, my favorite is the Specto. And I think, um, you know, if, if in high school bowling they put out patterns, you know, and I, I saw that they put out a 6 to one pattern at a tournament at Lodi today. Um, and, you know, that was great. Um, you know, it's a step in the right direction for that. You know, I think that they can go a step further and they can put junior goal patterns out. And that, you know, those bowlers will see, you know, a lot of them compete there. A lot of them compete at junior gold. Um, you know, they have, you know, over 4,000 kids that compete at junior gold, and a lot of them are from New Jersey. So, um, you know, they're, they're, it's not like the number zero. So, you know, I think that a lot – I think that 
you know, we could put out patterns for high school bullying, I think it'd make a big difference. Okay, fair enough. So, listen, I know that you wanted to get into a little bit of college bowling as well. We're running a little long here. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not trying to go marathon style on this episode. So I'm going to let you go, but uh, we will have you back on. Uh, we, you, do you know who our college bowling correspondent is, Greg? I'll, I'll learn in about three seconds. It's Alex Sorge. Oh, yo, what's up? <laughs> okay, so the next time we have Alex on, we'll definitely uh, reach out. We'll have you back on. Maybe you can give us an update on some of the events that you run up to that point. And, uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll catch up with things. If you want to talk a little college bowling, we'll get into that as well. But, uh, listen, we, we appreciate the time uh, for sure. Uh, good conversation for sure. Uh, we want to remind people, NJ Sport Bowling, check it out on social media. Check it out on Facebook. Uh, if you're in the New Jersey area or, or the, uh, you know, surrounding area, check out Greg's events. You know, they, they have my stamp of approval. If you show up, you might see me there. Uh, I bowl his events regularly. You can always guarantee that there's going to be something out there that challenges you. Uh, Greg, uh, take it easy, man. Anything you want to promote other than other than your sport bowling organization? Uh, that's pretty much it. Okay. I, I love so, Junior Gold. I love the USBC. They 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 do they do well with Junior Gold. That's my favorite ah, tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. We're we're, <laughs> we're we're not we're not all about that over here. So you know, Rob, you got to tell them, right? You got to, you know, it, it's all good. It's fine. It's fine to a certain degree. Uh, we've had this discussion off the air as well, me and Greg. So he knows a little bit more about my uh, my opinions on that. So that's fine. Uh, Greg, we appreciate the time, man, and uh, I'll, I'll probably see you in an event in the near future, bro. Thanks so much for having me on. This is this is fantastic. I'm looking forward to talking with with Storage about college bowling. No doubt. Yeah, hit him up. Hit him up and arrange that, and uh, we'll get down on that. But uh, we appreciate it as well. Thanks. Good to All see right, you, man. Take it easy. All right. See you later, Craig. All right, so Rob, uh, you know, like I said, anytime you show up to uh, to one of Greg's events, you know, you can guarantee that they're going to be challenging. I, I can absolutely promise you that. Yeah, I mean, as long as people are coming back to the events, then it's it's all good. Uh, I mean, I, I ran, a, I, I bowled a league, and real quick, real quick story. I ran, a, I bowled a league where the mechanic who put out the patterns was exactly how uh, Greg is and the league lasted like uh, a full season and a summer season. And the the league never, it it never, uh, everybody quit in the league. I mean, I averaged uh, 201 and was high average in the league by like 15 pins. I mean, they were just absolutely brutal. Uh, Just all one-to-one patterns, just different lengths on a very, very tough house in general. So as long as he's getting the bowlers that are coming back, then keep running them like keep doing your thing man keep doing you i love it i wish i had a tournament director that was out doing that anywhere i live you know that will just put out tough patterns and get entries uh but i think that's the most important part if he's getting entries uh if he's not you know when five or six people are showing up to an event it's a problem but i mean yeah good for him uh i i wish i lived in your area mike i would support him uh i would definitely bowl and uh mix it up there and 
you know, try to uh, make some money at those events because those are great events to make money. If you stay even or if you find something that nobody else has or you have a ball that nobody else has and you could literally run over the block if, if, if you stay even, which is incredible. Yeah, and, and listen, he, he gets a lot of um, – I would say there's a varied field of bowlers that come to his events. You know, you have a, you have a lot of junior bowlers that come to his events. You have a lot of uh, inexperienced competitive bowlers that come to his events. You have a lot of hardcore competitive bowlers that come to his events. Um, you have a lot of high-level junior bowlers that come to his events, I would say as well. Collegiate players bowl his events in the area. So, yeah, he has a lot of support from various, um, like, groups within the bowling community. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's uh, it, they're great events. He does a great job. It's very organized. You know, starts on time. You're in and you're out. You know, he always has things running running a tight ship. So uh, I hope he continues to do his thing. You know, I, I, I appreciate the fact that there's something like that around me. It gives me a reason to go out and practice, gives me a reason to – bowl the sport league that I bowl, it gives me a reason to kind of drill a ball now and again or, or beg people for free bowling balls now and again, even though I shouldn't have to, uh, you know, so that I can stay on top of things and keep up in it. Um, so, yeah, it's great. Uh, awesome to hear from him. We've been planning that for a while, so I'm glad he got an opportunity to come on, and I'm sure we'll have him back on. I, I want to bring him back on and have him give us a rundown of the results on his events throughout the year. He runs some interesting events. He just ran one, Rob, that was called the, the Grinch Classic, and it was like the weekend before Christmas, and it started at 2 a.m., and it was eight games. So it probably got over at like 6 a.m., Hmm. You know, and yeah, I mean, interesting stuff like that. Now that's not for me. I'm too old to bowl something like that. I, I have to be in bed way before that. And, uh, yeah, but I'm sure for your hardcore people, for your younger people, you know, college bowlers, great event. So, uh, he does interesting stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad we got to have him on. All right, Rob. So, uh, that kind of brings us to, to the end of our episode tonight. Uh, good episode though, you know, current news, big story, Sean Rash, we heard from him, tours getting ready to start, uh, welcomed on, you know, local friend of mine, Greg Tack, you know, had some, some tournament talk, some lane condition talk, really enjoyed that conversation. Um, you know, it, it, again, follow him on social media, make sure you check that out. Uh, Rob, great episode for the people. As we said, you know, PBA tour starts up next week. We're looking to really cover things as it unfolds. We're hoping to, you know, provide the people with what they want here at Sweep the Rack. Uh, follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Check us out. Uh, YouTube as well. Make sure you give us a follow on there. You're probably going to see some more activity from us on there uh, with the new year here. But, uh, Rob, any final thoughts? No, I'm just excited about the bowling season to start up again to see what the good storylines are going to be this year. And hopefully there's some uh, good shows and Fox and doing their thing and see what Bolero, what kind of curveball that gets thrown into the shows and what they add to the events. And then be interesting to see, uh, you know, uh, uh, the major too coming up pretty quick here. The U S opens in uh, also in a few weeks, I believe. So uh, things are going to be happening pretty quick and uh, sweep the rack, man. We'll be on top of all of it, all the action. For sure. We're on it, Rob. We're on it. You want bowling? You want bowling coverage? We're the best bowling coverage in the game, man. Let's go. So, Rob, 
uh, people should check us out. Give us a follow. They know what to do. Uh, I enjoyed the episode. Uh, my final thought is go back and listen to that Sean Rash interview again. Make sure you're paying attention again. I'll say it again. Okay, I'm going to end with that. All right, Rob, have a good week, homie, and uh, we'll catch up with the people, I think, early next week for our PBA preview, yes? Yes, sir, absolutely. All right, man, let's go. All right, peace. You are now listening to Sweep the Rack Podcast featuring Brooklyn Rob and Big Mike.